Section 1 of The New Life, La Vita Nuova. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary J. The New Life, La Vita Nuova by Dante Alighieri. Translated by Dante Gabriel Rossetti. Section 1. In that part of the book of my memory, before the which is little that can be read, there is a rubric saying, Incipit Vita Nova. Under such rubric I find written many things, and among them the words which I purpose to copy into this little book, if not all of them, at least their substance. Nine times already since my birth had the heaven of light returned to the self-same point almost, as concerns its own revolution, when first the glorious lady of my mind was made manifest to mine eyes. Even she who was called Beatrice by many who knew not wherefore. She had already been in this life for so long as that, within her time, the starry heaven had moved towards the eastern quarter one of the twelve parts of a degree, so that she appeared to me at the beginning of her ninth year almost, and I saw her almost at the end of my ninth year. Her dress on that day was of a most noble color, a subdued and godly crimson, girdled and adorned in such sort as best suited with her very tender age. At that moment I say most truly that the spirit of life, which hath its dwelling in the secretest chamber of the heart, began to tremble so violently that the least pulses of my body shook therewith. And in trembling it said these words, Ece Deus fortior me, qui viens dominabitur mihi. At that moment the animate spirit, which dwelleth in the lofty chamber whither all the senses carry their perceptions, was filled with wonder, and speaking more especially unto the spirits of the eyes, said these words, Aparuat iam beatitudo vestra. At that moment the natural spirit, which dwelleth there where our nourishment is administered, began to weep, and in weeping said these words, Hu miser, quia frequenter impeditus ero de inceps. I say that, from that time forward, love quite governed my soul, which was immediately espoused to him, and with so safe and undisputed a lordship, by virtue of strong imagination, that I had nothing left for it but to do all his bidding continually. He oftentimes commanded me to seek if I might see this youngest of the angels, wherefore I in my boyhood often went in search of her, and found her so noble and praiseworthy that certainly of her might have been said those words of the poet Homer. She seemed not to be the daughter of a mortal man, but of God. And albeit her image that was always with me was an exultation of love to subdue me, it was yet of so perfect a quality that it never allowed me to be overruled by love without the faithful counsel of reason, whensoever such counsel was useful to be heard. But seeing that, were I to dwell overmuch on the passions and doings of such early youth, my words might be counted something fabulous, I will therefore put them aside, and passing many things that may be conceived by the pattern of these, I will come to such as are writ in my memory with a better distinctness. After the lapse of so many days that nine years exactly were completed since the above-written appearance of this most gracious being, on the last of those days it happened that the same wonderful lady appeared to me, dressed all in pure white, between two gentle ladies elder than she. And passing through a street, she turned her eyes thither where I stood sorely abashed, and by her unspeakable courtesy, which is now girdened in the great cycle, she saluted me with so virtuous a bearing that I seemed then and there to behold the very limits of blessedness. The hour of her most sweet salutation was exactly the ninth of that day, 
and because it was the first time that any words from her reached mine ears, I came into such sweetness that I parted thence as one intoxicated, and betaking me to the loneliness of mine own room, I fell to thinking of this most courteous lady, thinking of whom I was overtaken by a pleasant slumber, wherein a marvellous vision was presented to me, for there appeared to be in my room a mist of the colour of fire, within the which I discerned the figure of a lord of terrible aspect to such as should gaze upon him, but who seemed therewithal to rejoice inwardly, that it was a marvel to see. Speaking, he said many things, among the which I could understand but few, and of these this, Ego Dominus Tus. In his arms it seemed to me that a person was sleeping, covered only with a blood-coloured cloth, upon whom looking very attentively, I knew that it was the lady of the salutation who had deigned the day before to salute me. And he who held her held also in his hand a thing that was burning in flames, and he said to me, Vide cortuum. But when he had remained with me a little while, I thought that he set himself to awaken her that slept, after the which he made her to eat that thing which flamed in his hand, and she ate as one fearing. Then, having waited again a space, all his joy was turned into the most bitter weeping, and as he wept he gathered the lady into his arms, and it seemed to me that he went with her up towards heaven, whereby such a great anguish came upon me that my light slumber could not endure through it, but was suddenly broken. And immediately having considered, I knew that the hour wherein this vision had been made manifest to me was the fourth hour, which is to say, the first of the nine last hours of the night. Then, musing on what I had seen, I proposed to relate the same to many poets who were famous in that day, and for that I had myself in some sort the art of discoursing with rhyme, I resolved on making a sonnet, in the which, having saluted all such as are subject unto love, and entreated them to expound my vision, I should write unto them those things which I had seen in my sleep, and the sonnet I made was this. To every heart which the sweet pain doth move, and unto which these words may now be brought, for true interpretation and kind thought, be greeting in our Lord's name, which is love, of those long hours wherein the stars above wake and keep watch, the third was almost not, when love was shown me with such terrors fraught as may not carelessly be spoken of. He seemed like one who was full of joy, and had my heart within his hand, and on his arm my lady with a mantle round her slept, whom, having wakened her, anon he made to eat that heart, she ate as fearing harm. Then he went out, and as he went, he wept. This sonnet is divided into two parts. In the first part I give greeting and ask an answer. In the second I signify what thing has to be answered to. The second part commences here, of those long hours. To this sonnet I received many answers, conveying many different opinions, of the which one was sent by him whom I now call the first among my friends, and it began thus, Unto my thinking thou beheldest all worth. And indeed it was when he learned that I was he who had sent those rhymes to him that our friendship commenced. But the true meaning of that vision was not then perceived by any one, though it be now evident to the least skilful. End of section 1